Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic. So join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is Alicia Bu and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Parent Ed Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life and more. We'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experience and practical ideas. So we hope that you will keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. Now, many children have fears and worries and may feel sad or hopeless occasionally. Strong fears may appear at different times during their development. For example, toddlers often experience distress from being away from their parents, even if they are safe and cared for. And although fears and worries are typical in children, persistent or extreme forms of fear or worry could be due to anxiety or depression. Today, we have a special guest, Sui Fen, with us on the show. Sui Fen is an ordinary woman who desires to inspire others to make an extraordinary impact through her family life and life skills workshops, counseling training sessions, and writing. Welcome, Sui Fen. Could you tell us a bit about yourself? Good afternoon, uh, Alicia. Thank you for having me here. So today, I'm a family life educator, counselor, and a trainer facilitator. So I'm married with two adult children and one of the joys of parenting them is that they took ownership of their studies throughout their educational trajectory, growing in study skills and character development and of course savouring the rewards in the process. Wonderful. Sounds like, Stephen, you have a very rich parenting journey already with your two young adult children. Now, today with Stephen's help, we are going to learn how to identify signs of anxiety in our children and pick up new ways we can help them overcome their worries and anxieties. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you for taking the time to join us. To kick us off, I wonder if you could uh, help us understand what are the different types of anxiety that may occur with our children. Can you share more about that? There are certainly different types of anxiety, but today I'm just going to look at two main ones here, and uh, social anxiety, or what some people commonly refer to as uh, shyness. But shyness and social anxiety are very different. So shyness is feeling uncomfortable or awkward in social situations. If children are shy, many are still able to motivate or put themselves in social events or situations. Social anxiety, on the other hand, is feeling very self-conscious and having an intense fear of being judged or rejected during social interactions. The second type is academic anxiety. And this happens when a child feels very worried or stressed out because of school or schoolwork pressures. And the stress can be not having enough time to complete homework assignments because they are overscheduled or not having the skills to grasp subject content and falling behind. And of course, some anxiety relating to social interactions or schoolwork is expected. But it becomes disconcerning when the feelings of drag or fears cause high levels of stress and interfere with uh, daily functioning. So for example, if the child cries excessively and refuses to go to school, has uh, recurring nightmares or bad dreams and avoiding social activities that he used to enjoy, or even repeating a specific action. So maybe I can give you an example. 
There was this mother who shared with me that her primary school age daughter would repeatedly erase the words that she had written in a homework book. This child scrutinizes her written words and sentences and she kept insisting they were not written neatly or within the margin. And she would keep doing it, erasing, and there were times she erased until there was a tear on the page. So the mother became very worried and she consulted me and then she wanted to get professional help um, when the daughter's action persisted. So parents need to pay attention to such red flags and monitor your child's behaviour. And if the symptoms do persist, please seek professional help. Thank you. So insightful. So even I wonder in your professional life, right, and as of course as an experienced mom of two young adult children, right, do you think that there's any correlation between social anxiety and academic anxiety? Of course, to a certain extent, there might be correlation because if you are anxious about you're not confident in uh, social anxiety or you're mm. not confident in doing your work um, in at home. So indirectly or invariably, it will spill over to making friends and not being able to uh, hold on a conversation and become very afraid. So to a certain extent, there is correlation, although they are not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. I'm also curious about the social anxiety, the difference that you were trying to share with us, right? Social anxiety and that with shyness. At what age would parents be able to discern whether it was which one? Was it more of a social anxiety or not so much of that? And it's just like shyness. Usually, of course, social anxiety in primary school, it is very common because in pre-primary school, they are young. They don't have the skills yet to be able to interact very well. But of course, over time, if they learn skills, social skills, the propensity to be socially anxious should come down. So by the time when they reach primary school, they would have certain level of um, competency or confidence to be able to interact confidently socially. So that will be during the primary school. The concerns can be glaring when they enter primary school. Another question that we have for you, Swifan, would be when should parents be concerned that this is something that they should pay more attention to with regards to whether their child is actually experiencing anxiety? There are many symptoms or expressions of anxiety. So if let's say the child has very negative self-talk and they keep articulating things like or statements like I'm stupid, nobody likes me, I'm not good enough, right? Or they have acting out behavior. So they have emotional meltdowns or controlling other people, whether it's their family members, their helper or their classmates, or if they become very clingy, suddenly very clingy, or they have extensive avoidance of school or social interactions. They just don't want to go to school, they don't want to interact with anybody and of course another sign symptom is to consistently refusing to try new things. In terms of physical, it's also complaining incessantly of physical discomfort such as having stomach ache even though it is confirmed by the doctor to have no underlying medical condition or reasons for that. So some of these red flags that you just shared with us does seem like we need to observe for a certain period of time, right? In your view, what would be accurate or reasonable amount of time for a parent to make these observations before they may want to seek professional help? That's a good question. So perhaps two weeks, you monitor every day for two weeks. If it gets worse, it doesn't tone down. So after consistently for two weeks, then that may be something a parent may want to consider seeking professional help. At least for two weeks persistently. So if let's say one day, once a week, <laughs> two times a week, of course you may want to prolong, but if it's every day for mm. successively for two weeks, then it is really a red flag that parents do really need to pay attention and can really seriously consider seeking professional help. So it seems like consistency is the key, yes. right? Yeah. And what are some of the factors that you can share with our listeners that 
can cause some of these anxiety symptoms to surface with our children? Of course, there are many factors that can cause anxiety and there are no easy answers why children become anxious. But I would like to suggest a few possible ones. One is, of course, external environment like the home or the school are tense or stressful. So, for example, your parents are constantly having arguments in front of the child or the family relationships are highly conflictual. And all these tensions can certainly heighten a child's anxiety. So in school, maybe bullying from classmates or even the expectations to perform academically by school can also contribute to a child's stress level and lead to the child feeling very apprehensive. So of course, the second factor is parenting styles. So parents who are very demanding or overbearing or critical or insensitive in their communication, saying things like, oh, if you don't ace your exams, you're not going to get anywhere in life. You know, if you are just plain lazy, don't give me excuses. Or if they constantly compare their child with their colleagues' children or their child's siblings, cousins or classmates. So, of course, another third factor is the child's personality or temperament. So, some children are more inclined to get anxious than others. It could be due to genetics. Just like a child can be petite or tall, like the parents, they can also inherit a tendency to experience anxiety from their parents. There are more factors, I believe, but these are some possible factors that can trigger anxiety in school-aged children. Would you say, right, like because we've heard a few of these factors that you've shared with us, is it more common for a child who is experiencing anxiety to carry more of the what we call nature or nurture kind of factors? I think it's both. It is not either or. But I also believe that the environment does play a very significant part. That's part of nurture. I've just mentioned right parenting style. So it is not just the temperament, the child's temperament, but it's a combination of both the temperament as well as the environment. So if I'm also wondering, right, for a child who might be struggling with some of these anxiety symptoms, right, would there usually be a situation where it will be a combination of a few factors together? And what are the more common kinds of anxiety right, that presents in the child? For example, you mentioned about the parenting style. Then usually that would be also the part about, you mentioned home environment, the upbringing and all that, right? So which are the common types of factors that you share with us that kind of go together that presents normally for a child that experiences anxiety? So personally, I feel that the home environment is one of the uh, dominant factor. Um, so if, let's say, parents have very authoritarian parenting style, the children become very anxious. Usually it's one parent who are very authoritarian. And uh, so the chances of the child becoming very anxious is very high. Let's go on to talking about how we can identify signs of anxiety, right? And what can we do to help our children who may be feeling anxious? I mean, we certainly don't want to place a label on them, but the truth is, in our environment today, in our culture, we do see and observe. And for those of us who are parents, we sometimes wonder, is my child anxious? What can we do to help our anxious children? I would like to suggest four strategies using the acronym CALM, C-A-L-M, for parents to consider when helping or supporting their anxious child. So C is changing negative self-talk to empowering self-talk or beliefs. So feeling anxious doesn't just happen because emotions do not exist in a vacuum. So I'm a firm believer that our thinking influences our emotions, which in turn affect our behavior. So it is helpful for parents to be on the lookout for their child's self-talk. So some of the common self-defeating self-talk are, I'm not good enough. I, no matter how hard I try, I will never measure up. Um, I'm never going to make it. 
So I remember when my younger child was in a secondary school and whenever she was sitting for a school exam, she would say out loud, I will surely fail my exam. I am going to fail. So it became like when you approach a exam time, you just push the button and the automatic response will be, I will surely fail. Right? So I found it very baffling, you know, because she would articulate such a statement even when I nor our other family members did not engage in a fortune-telling thinking trap with her. So when I noticed a pattern, I asked her, girl, how do you know you will surely fail if you have not seen the exam paper or taken the test or the exam? And she would just reply me, I will surely do very badly even if I don't fail. So eventually, I found out that several of her classmates will openly declare in the class, you know, the belief statement, I will surely fail or I will do badly in the exam whenever they're sitting for a school or national exams. What I did was I used the find it and flip it techniques to help my girl, my child. So find it means to discover the negative thought that triggers or fuels anxious feelings. So in her case, it is I will surely fail or I will do very badly. So I had to tell my girl, this is a very unhealthy thought pattern. And then challenge these thoughts. Where is the evidence that you will surely fail? Right? So then I flip it. Flip it is to change the disempowering thought to a healthy one. So instead of saying to herself, I'm going to fail my exam. So she will say, I will give my best during the exams and I will be very happy if I do well. If I don't get the results I expect, I can handle it. So was it an overnight change? Of course not. But practice makes progress. So it's disheartening that she eventually flipped. I will surely fail. You know, I can always do badly to an empowering belief and went on to do well in high-stakes national exams. Wonderful. How long did your daughter take to get to the point where she can flip it? Was it over the course of like uh, one year, two years, shorter than that or longer than that? I think one, two years. So by the time she reached her high-stakes exams, like um, the O-levels, I think that was time. Like, you know, into secondary school, throughout secondary school, she was like having this very negative thought pattern. So by the time she was going for O-levels, she managed to flip it. Yeah. So like I said, it's not an overnight change. It took time, but with patience and practice, I think she was able to, you know, flip it. That's wonderful. It also sounds like, Suifen, you did not give yourself much credit. I'm sure you have been consistently encouraging her, you know, to, like in your words, right, challenge that thought, belief system that you have. It's unhealthy. How can we change it to a more positive one? I'm sure you have been uh, patient, encouraging her all along. The emotional part, the supportive posture that you as a parent can give to her is also equally important. Thank you for your kind words. I hope so. <laughs> great, great. Yeah, so that's all we just heard. The first... See, it's changing negative self-talk to empowering self-talk, right? And we've heard Suifen share her journey with her daughter. We invite Suifen to share with us the next tip. A is acknowledge and validate, but do not reinforce your child's feelings of anxiety. So if a child tells you she's afraid her friends will make fun of her because she spotted a new hairdo, so you do not dismiss her feelings by saying, ah, don't be anxious, your friends won't laugh at you, just ignore them if they do, or amplify her anxiety by saying, yeah, they may laugh at you and you will become the joke of the day. You might want to say as a parent, you are afraid your friends will laugh at you and make you feel embarrassed. It is okay to be scared. Now let us think of ways to help you get through this. Which brings us to the next strategy, L, which is learn to cope by thinking things through. So now parents talk through with the child. What would happen if the child's fear that her classmates would laugh at her and make fun of a new hairdo came true? How would she handle it? 
So of course, you brainstorm with your child how to respond to a classmate or what she can say. So for example, your child may come up with the idea that to ignore the classmates teasing until they stop on their own. Or it could also be she may come or you can also help her, you know, to tell the classmates, I still like my new hairdo. Even you will laugh at me. My parents like my new hairstyle and my dad thinks it is so cool. So for some children or teenagers, having a plan to respond to anxiety-provoking scenarios can actually reduce uncertainty in a very reassuring and effective way. So that is the L strategy. And of course, the M strategy is model healthy ways of managing anxiety. So as parents, you are your child's models, whether you like it or not. If you have the question you have to ask yourself, are we positive or negative models? So you can help your child to cope with anxious feelings by letting them see how you as a parent cope with your own anxiety. So children are very perceptive. Okay, if you keep complaining about meeting work deadlines to your spouse or telling friends that you're avoiding certain situations because you're very worried, uh, they are going to take that in, uh, your coping strategies in. So I'm not suggesting that you always put on an unruffled posture and pretend you know you have it all emotionally. The aim is to let your child hear or watch you as a parent manage your own fears or worries by tolerating and calmly managing these unpleasant feelings and then feeling good about getting them through. So these are the four strategies, C-A-L-M. And it spells calm. That's right. <laughs> Wonderful. I really like what you shared the last one, uh, Swiffen, about parents being the role model, right? We always hear this phrase, a lot more is caught than taught. That's right. And surely, like you say, the little eyes are watching and they are sensing and they are perceiving. I wonder if we could squeeze in a tip for parents because we ourselves are also on this journey called life. We are constantly learning. We make our own mistakes. So for parents who may also struggle with feeling anxious from time to time because we're only human and we also go through challenges, what words of advice and pearls of wisdom you can share with a parent in this situation? I think for parents, we can also use the find it and flip it technique or strategy because if you are going to teach it to your child, you have to learn it yourself. So every time you're anxious, maybe ask yourself, what is the thought that is triggering the unpleasant emotions? That is triggering your worry, your anxiety? Is it because you can't meet the expectations of the company? You have your own expectations that you can't meet or you feel that your worth is your self-worth wrapped around how successful you are? as a career woman or as a housewife or homemaker. Um, so it is good for us to also remember that this self-talk that we have in us is actually triggering some of this anxiety. Then we need to learn it first before we can teach it to our children. So think about that. And of course, the other issue is to really build our own health, I mean emotional health, and by attending courses and also interacting with um, like-minded parents uh, who will support you and encourage you in the parenting journey. Great, great, great stuff. Thank you, Suifen. Our listeners, a lot of them are parents with young children. So in a situation where it's clear that our child is expressing anxiety and and sometimes because we're humans can rub off on the parent. So if the parent find themselves, okay, not only do I need to help my child to feel less anxious, I'm feeling myself getting anxious, right? So in that moment where we cannot take a break to be introspective and reflective about all the wonderful tips and suggestions that you have for us in that particular parenting moment on the spot when we need to be present with our child who's feeling anxious and we find that we are also sensing that we're struggling, is there anything that parents can do in a way to quickly calibrate ourselves and help ourselves to manage our nerves 
the calm down in that moment so that we can attend to our child. I believe it is very important for when parents are very anxious. So because the next thing that comes out you know, of our mouth sometimes is very jarring or it may hurt the esteem of a child. So maybe distance yourself physically if you can. If you're at home, so maybe go to another place. If you're in a hall, you can go to your study room. Distance yourself physically for a moment. Just recalibrate and gain your bearing. So once you're able to gain your bearing and then perhaps, you know, like stress management techniques, take some deep breaths and of course the other thing is really is about changing your thought so ask yourself what is the thought that's triggering all this and quickly recalibrate before you actually have another contact or interaction with your child so distancing yourself going through quickly what is it that triggering all these unpleasant emotions and replace it with more affirming or positive self-talk Thank you. I can so relate with that because for me as a parent, I also try to practice. We call it take five and five. So it applies for parents, adults, or can use or children. Yeah. So the take five and five refers to take five steps away. So I could relate with your distancing. So sometimes we feel that we by remaining in that situation where it's tense, right? We might not say or present our best, then we take five steps away. It's just a reminder for us we can go to the kitchen, get a drink of water, and the other five would be to take five deep breaths. Yeah. yeah, so we practice this in our family and it's even helpful for the adults. So we ourselves need to learn some of these things to help ourselves manage our nerves. Thank you so much, Suifen, for sharing these gems of wisdom with us. And before we close, if you have any parting words or advice to share with our listeners? Our children are our gifts. And as parents, we enjoy giving our children gifts that comes to your price tag attached to the gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to encourage all parents um, to also give good gifts that last. And they are, give them your unconditional love and acceptance, undivided attention, unwavering support, and unhurried time. So if your child is anxious, we give all these good gifts. Of course, you will help them overcome whatever that is creating stress and journey on in their years ahead of them. Wonderful. For our listeners out there, maybe we can pause and think about what is the gift there are so many gifts that we have heard that Swifen shared, but what is one gift that we can give to our children? And over the course of time, we will present them many gifts. We do not need to feel that we need to give all the gifts at once. Perhaps it's one gift at a time. So what is the most needful gift that our children need that we can avail and offer them? Thank you so much for tuning in with us on this podcast episode. We hope that you have benefited much from this session and that now we all have a better idea on, on how we can support our children through the various stressors that they may experience in their growing up years. We have a webinar for parents to learn about early intervention strategies around mental health and youth suicide. This is happening in October. So to find out more, please visit our website www.family.org.sg slash RFRK mental health. And for more parenting resources, do visit our website as well at www.family.org.sg. Lastly, to get in touch with us, if you have any questions at all as a parent that we can help you with, write to us at parent, P-A-R-E-N-T-E-D at family.org.sg. And with that, we wish to thank Sweven again and thank you all our listeners for tuning in with us and following us on our Parent Ed podcast. Be sure to catch the next episode and until next time, have a great week with your family. Mm -hmm.